and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with G. I'm absolutely pumped up for this episode, um, coming off the 49ers win over the Eagles, well, destruction of the Eagles at 42-19. to We're going to start off talking a lot about the 49ers-Eagles game, then get into the five topics on my mind, so let's just get right into it. Um, the game started off not great for the Niners. I was scared. I didn't like the initial play calling from Kyle. He didn't give it to Christian McCaffrey the first two drives. Um, offense did absolutely nothing the first quarter, minus six yards. The Eagles had the ball for what felt like the entire quarter, just driving up and down the field. But the defense came in clutch um, in the red zone, holding the Eagles to just two field goals. So they came out of that first quarter just down 6-0. I think they really got away um, from what makes them great, which is running with McCaffrey to set up the pass. Um, Kyle obviously corrected that going uh, forwards in the game, and the game really changed after that. But that first quarter was scary. I was really worried it was going to be a blowout. Didn't look good at all. But, hey, sometimes you don't start off well. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And Kyle fixed the offensive issues that were going on in the first quarter um, and really took off. So... Um, in terms of the Niners, let's talk about Brock first. So Brock is just awesome. People, even after this game, are still doubting him, just saying he's just getting it to people and they're doing the rest. Not every quarterback passes this accurately. Not every quarterback passes with this anticipation. He maneuvers in the pocket really well. You can see his footwork is awesome. Um, he is playing the quarterback position as it should be played and there's nothing else to say. He's just awesome. Today he was 19 for 27, 314 yards, four touchdowns, 70.2% completion percentage for the year with 28, 71 yards, 19 touchdowns, and six picks. He is just dominating the year, um, and he should be the front runner for the MVP, in my opinion. I think he's just a phenomenal quarterback. Let's get on to Debo. Um, Debo's been quiet a lot this year, but we know this game was going to be big for him. He's talked a lot of trash. Um, towards the Eagles, they've talked trash about Debo. Um, we got 2021 Debo today. Um, the dominating player who basically took the Niners on his back um, to the NFC Championship game in 2021. He was back today. Four catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Three carries for 22 yards and a touchdown. Dominating people. Nobody could tackle him. He is a monster when he plays like this. And when Debo plays like this, the offense is just... So difficult to stop. Just too many weapons everywhere. Um, just crazy. Um, I thought the offense was unstoppable, obviously. They scored basically on every possession after the that first two uh, drives. Kyle was calling some great plays. He was finally giving the ball to McCaffrey. McCaffrey was cooking. Um, Christian had 20 touches during the game with 133 yards. Uh, first 1,000-yard uh, rusher for the Niners since Frank Gore which seems like forever ago. Um, I didn't even realize it's been that long without a thousand yard rusher. McCaffrey was just dominant. Kyle just was in his bag with his play calling. And I thought um, Ayuk made some big catches as well. That touchdown grab um, he dove for. Just awesome play from the offense. Very little to criticize. I was really concerned about the offensive line and how they would hold up against the defensive line. Remember last episode I was talking about how the defensive line is the major strength for the Eagles, the the linebackers and secondary aren't that great. So if you can maneuver around that defensive line, um, give Brock just enough time to get the ball to his playmakers, that's what you really need to do to beat the Eagles. And at the beginning of the game, 
it seemed like the offensive line was just overwhelmed by the uh, Eagles defensive line. The pressure was basically almost immediately on Brock, kind of was jittery in the pocket. Um, but the offensive line really settled down and they focused on running and behind uh, Trent Williams on the left side. And the right side of the line held up just enough for Brock to get the ball to his playmakers. Um, and we know that the Eagles' weaknesses are in the secondary linebackers, and they uh, just destroyed them. So um, I thought the offensive line played well overall. Um, there were some issues initially, but they fixed them all, and they gave Brock just enough time to dominate. Now let's get on to the defense. Uh, I thought the line wasn't getting great pressure. Uh, Bosa on the postgame show was explaining that they were really trying to contain Jalen Hurts. Um, and stop the running as much as possible. It seemed like Jalen had forever back there, and luckily, I'll get into it, the secondary was playing great, but I thought the defensive line, again, wasn't putting in quite enough pressure on Jalen Hurts. Some of the sacks, yeah, they got a bunch of sacks, but some of them were after what seemed like eternity in the pocket. Um, Bosa against Lane Johnson was an awesome matchup to watch, but I saw Lane Johnson winning a ton of those matchups uh, versus Bosa, so... Still, Bosa's not, he doesn't look as dominant as he has in past years. Obviously still a good player, um, but Lane Johnson was a beast, um, I thought. And that was a really fun matchup. Chase Young didn't play as much uh, this week either. I saw a lot of Randy Gregory, a lot of Cleland Farrell. Um, but when Young was in, I did see him get some pressures on the quarterback. I also thought Kinlaw played awesome. I know he got some sacks from really, really long um, pass rush sequences where Hertz was just holding the ball, but I also thought he got some uh, good pressure on the quarterback overall, and he played really well. I thought that was one of his best games um, in total. Uh, we got to talk about the secondary. Uh, the secondary for the Niners has been a weakness for what seems like forever, but they seem to be just turning up. Um, ever since uh, Oliver was benched and Lenore was moved to the slot, the secondary has just been dominating. Ward has been locked, locked down corner, uh, he's playing physical. The refs aren't calling it, which is awesome to see because the receivers are also super physical with Ward. And he's just been playing lights out the past several weeks. And I got to give a shout out to Ambry Thomas. The dude was, I thought was washed, cooked, wasn't playing at all on the bench. I thought another wasted third round pick, but he has proven all his doubters wrong so far. Um, he has just been such a good corner. I know he, he gave up some passes to Devontae Smith today with a lot of cushion, but he has just been so much better than I expected. Um, and it's really made the defense just take another step because their cornerbacks were a weakness. Now I think with Ward and Thomas on the outside, Lenore on the slot, Lenore is dominant in the slot, I think. Um, and it just gives the 49ers so much uh firepower in the secondary and I, I didn't think the Jair Brown was exposed at all today I thought him and Gibson were fine at safety I thought the 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 secondary was just great um yeah you give up some yards but doesn't really matter um no huge plays down the field um some overall good coverage in my opinion we got to talk about that green law ejection that was maybe one of the craziest things I've seen. First of all, I don't even know why Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart know the Eagles guy's name. I guess it's Dom, the head of security or whatever. Who knows why they know the name? I think it was from a, he recommended Greg Olson some cheesesteak to eat while he was traveling here. But I mean, sure, Greenlaw 
kind of went a little overboard with tackling Smith, but it wasn't even that crazy. He was still within the field of play. He didn't, like, slam him to the ground. Smith is just a tiny person compared to Greenlaw, and Greenlaw is just a ferocious hitter. Um, so, sure, you can give the penalty, but Dom or whoever initiated the contact with Greenlaw, and Greenlaw gets ejected. That was insane. I think that was one of the most insane ejections I've seen. You cannot eject a player for that, especially, like, the trade of... Oh, and they ejected Dom. Like, who cares ejecting Dom? Like, anybody cares if Dom's gone. That's not an even trade. Um, I think I saw Sirianni apologize to Shanahan during their um, uh, midfield uh, handshake after the game. It sounded like he was apologizing about that situation, actually. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, but, I mean, come on. Greenlaw was ejected for that? That's insane. Luckily, the Niners destroyed the Eagles. It didn't matter at all, but, man... That's insane. All right, so next point about this game, the number one seed is still very much in play for the 49ers. Obviously, those losses, those three-game losses are making it tough, but got to root for the Cowboys, I guess, um, this coming week uh, versus the Eagles. The Cowboys need to beat the Eagles. The Eagles have a cupcake schedule after that. They are not going to lose any other games unless someone's majorly injured. The Niners need the Cowboys to beat the Eagles, and then the Niners have to win out they got a couple tough games left especially against the ravens on christmas that's going to be a tough game but niners have to win out if they want to keep the one seed because i do not see the eagles losing more than one game because they're playing the cardinals and the giants twice and i believe the commanders if i'm not mistaken but they got a really really easy schedule um coming up so niners need to win out and if they play like this they will we got to get into the coaching a little bit. I talked a little bit uh, earlier about Kyle Shanahan. He did not start off with good play calls. I think he came in probably wanting to prove that like Brock was a monster. And we know he's great, but he came in with like a bunch of pass plays, handing off to Debo once. I mean, just hand it to McCaffrey. Open up the, open up the passing game with McCaffrey. Um, he did that from the second quarter on, and the game just flowed. It flows through McCaffrey, and then everything rolls off that. I mean, so Kyle started off not great, but then awesome play calling, getting people open in space. You put up 42 points. Can't really complain about the coaching too much. Um, I thought in terms of the defensive coaching, Steve Wilkes did a great job overall. I mean, um, I was worried when the Eagles were driving down the field the first two drives, but the defense held up just six points. That's the most important thing. You're going to get yard. People are going to get yards against you. It's all about stopping um, teams in the red zone from scoring touchdowns. So I thought Steve Wilkes called a great game. I have no complaints. Special teams is whatever. They just, Jake Moody hit some extra points. Um, Debo was kind of fun watching at receiver, uh, at, at returner. And uh, Ronnie Bell, I am scarred by 49ers punt returns. Everybody should just fair catch always. We should never be trying to get yards on punt. It never turns out well. He basically muffed a punt. Luckily, it went out of bounds today. But 49ers and punt returns is not a good combination. Just fair catch it. Always fair catch the punt. You don't need to do anything else. That's it. Next up for the Niners are the Seahawks at Levi's Stadium um, next Sunday. I think the Niners are going to dominate. We'll get into it in our game preview um, on the episode coming up on Thursday, but I think the Niners are going to destroy the Seahawks. Geno has no chance um, against the defense, and I think Brock is going to tear apart their uh, the Seahawks defense. So we'll see uh, how the game goes, but we'll get more into the game preview um, on our next episode Sunday. Overall, though, what an awesome, awesome 
cathartic win for the 49ers. That NFC Championship game was a sham. We The Niners had no quarterback. If Brock Purdy was playing, the Niners probably would have won. But, of course, we can't play that game. Would have, could have, should have. He got hurt. He couldn't play. Josh Johnson got concussed basically immediately when he came in the game. And the Niners just had no other quarterbacks and no chance against the Eagles. So it was a kind of revenge game. Obviously, different stakes. This is a regular season versus the NFC Championship game. But something tells me this is not the last time the Niners are going to play the Eagles. And hopefully... The Niners can get the number one seed because I think it'll be much easier to beat Philadelphia at home um, at Levi's than in Philadelphia when the weather is even worse. Um, And the fans in Philadelphia are just nuts. So let's see how the rest of the season goes. But yeah, something tells me this is not the last time these two teams are going to face each other. And it's kind of awesome that there's some bad blood between the teams and definitely between the fan bases. The NFL needs more rivalries and more excitement, I think. So I think the 49ers-Eagles are just must-see television. Um, and yeah, that kind of wraps up my take on the 49ers. Let's get into the other five topics on my mind uh, at this time. Topic number one, the college football playoffs. It's a wild, wild conference championship weekend, mostly because Alabama beat Georgia, and that kind of threw all of the rankings in kind of disarray. Um, Coming into championship weekend, there was Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Washington at three, and Florida State at four. Conventional wisdom says if you're in the top four and you win your championship game, you'd stay in the top four, but that's not what happened. Uh, The rankings came out, and it's as follows. Number one is Michigan. Number two is Washington. Number three is Texas. And number four is Alabama. You just know the committee could not leave out the SEC from the college football playoffs. It's basically a law that uh, SEC teams have to be represented. FSU was kicked out. They came in to the weekend ranked number four. So even though we know their quarterback, Jordan Travis, is gone, he's hurt, he's out, he's not coming back, they were still ranked four. And then they won the ACC championship. Now, I get it. They looked terrible. And they would get destroyed by any of these other four teams. But it seems kind of nuts that they actually dropped in the rankings from four uh, after winning the ACC championship game. And they're not in the playoffs. Alabama makes it. And to be honest, it seems really unfair for FSU. But the rankings, I think, got it right. Um, I don't think FSU without Jordan Travis is anywhere close to the top four teams. They barely beat Louisville, and Louisville looked horrible. Um, I get it. FSU has a good defense, but their offense is a joke uh, without Jordan Travis. They would have no shot against the top four teams. So while it's a controversial um, top four, I think it is the correct top four. I do think Michigan kind of gets screwed here. They're the number one seed, and they have to play Alabama. Nobody wants to play Alabama. They've been dominant. Um Uh, I think Michigan's going to have a really hard time against Alabama's defense. I think Michigan's offense, J.J. McCarthy in particular, is going to struggle. I think Alabama has a real shot to beat Michigan. Um, We'll have to see. You know, Coach Saban is just a legend, always wins. Um, That's going to be an epic game. And then I think Washington-Texas is going to be a lot of fun. I think Michael Penix Jr. is going to have to ball out for Washington to win, but I think that's going to be an awesome game um, between Washington and Texas, and I can't wait to watch the college football playoffs. I think the committee got it right. I think these are the four best teams. 
let's see who wins. I think if I'm an FSU fan, I'm pissed because it doesn't make any sense because FSU was ranked four even though their quarterback was injured. So before, it was kind of ignored. Um, And then I'm also just tired of Alabama. So I hope Michigan wins, but I kind of think Alabama's going to beat Michigan. I think Saban's going to stifle J.J. McCarthy. We'll just have to wait and see. But kind of a controversial college football playoff top four this year. The second topic on my mind is the Houston Texans in the NFL. D'Amico Ryans, former 49ers defensive coordinator, was an amazing coordinator, and it seemed like the players just absolutely loved him uh, on the Niners. He got the head coaching gig with the Texans. The Texans had the second and third picks in this draft. Nobody expected anything out of the Texans. They took C.J. Stroud. They took Will Anderson. Um, They signed some key free agents, including Jimmy Ward, uh, veteran safety corner from the 49ers. And most importantly, I think D'Amico Ryan's coming to that team has just transformed the Houston Texans. They have just been playing awesome. They play with so much passion. C.J. Stroud is a future star. He's already kind of a star, but he is a star quarterback. The Panthers are going to be regretting taking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud for eternities, especially because the Panthers don't even have their first-round pick this year, and they're the worst team in the NFL if you watch them. Um, So the Texans are just... What a great story for the NFL. What a great job by D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, came over from the 49ers, another Kyle Shanahan tree. Um, The Shanahan tree just keeps on growing and really mostly successful um, coaches that come from under Kyle Shanahan. Um, So the Houston Texans, just watching them is a lot of fun. Um, Too bad Tank Dell got hurt uh, today, their rookie receiver who has been outstanding. Um, but I think the Texans and D'Amico Ryans are going to be a force in the NFL for years to come, especially if they continue to draft uh, as well as they did this year. But anytime you have D'Amico Ryans on that sideline, you know the players are going to go 100%, um, and you know you have a chance to win. So kudos to D'Amico Ryans, kudos to the Houston Texans. Just uh, what a great story. Now in stark contrast for topic number three, I think the quality of play in the NFL this year, outside of a few teams, has just been downright awful. Uh, just watching Chargers-Patriots, it looked like a different sport than the Niners-Eagles. Same with the Falcons and the Jets game. Just horrific. There's so many awful teams with horrendous quarterbacks. I think there's never been more terrible starting quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter is just atrocious. Tim Boyle, watching him play, is just makes your eyes bleed. The Patriots, Mac Jones, Bailey Zapp, whoever they throw out there, they got nobody. Chargers, yeah, Justin Herbert's fine, but like their team is horrible they have a terrible head coach it just seems like there's too many awful teams in the nfl this year and too many horrible quarterbacks a lot of these high drafted quarterbacks from the last few years have just not panned out how uh the teams were expecting um so yeah just a lot of poor quality in the nfl that's been kind of a drag to watch um hopefully that kind of fixes itself uh in the years coming up (sighs) so topic number four back to my ucla bruins can't believe that they are keeping Chip Kelly as their head football coach. Just an utter disaster from not only on the field, but also from the fan perspective. Fans are in outrage over this. Nobody wants to see Chip Kelly back. He is a supposed offensive genius head coach who runs one of the worst offenses I've ever watched. Um, You can look at their rankings. They're not a highly ranked offense. Uh, They have no creativity on offense. They just look lost. Kind of, they run the same stupid plays, basically run up the middle constantly. Um, I cannot 
stand to watch Chip Kelly coaching a team. Um, he also doesn't recruit. Their recruiting rankings are god-awful. Jim Mora Jr. was able to get so many five-star and future NFL players onto the Bruins. Now Chip Kelly, their recruits, they barely recruit anybody. I don't think he spends any effort or time on recruiting. He tries to build through the transfer portal, and those are kind of hit, and, hit or miss. Um, he hasn't been embracing NIL. I think he's finally starting to do so, obviously a little late. Um, and I think next year in the Big Ten, Chip Kelly is just going to be absolutely embarrassed. This Keeping Chip Kelly is an embarrassment for Martin Jarmond and the UCLA Athletic Office. Um, Danton Lynn, their defensive coordinator, who was their best coach and Chip finally got a good defensive corner left to go to USC, and the UCLA seemed to just let him do that and didn't offer him more money. That's embarrassing. Um, that's kind of a joke. It's a it's a it's a indictment on the state of the UCLA football program. Just embarrassing. Just settling for mediocrity. Um, yeah, people keep saying like Chip's record in the last three years. He doesn't didn't play anybody this year. He didn't play Washington or Oregon. They would have got destroyed. Um, don't give me the record of Chip Kelly. It's not good, first of all. And if that's what UCLA standard, standards are, people shouldn't be watching. I know I'm not going to be tuning in to watch Chip Kelly next year. Um, and the players are leaving. Dante Moore, yeah, he was terrible this year, but he was the five-star recruit, um, one of the highest-ranked players UCLA has ever obtained um, or signed from high school. He left after one year, and you got his family posting on Facebook how Chip was stunting his development and was a terrible quarterback. I believe it. Chip is a terrible uh, coach. Um, he, he did not teach Dante how to be a quarterback. Uh, I feel like either Dante should have been starting the whole year or he shouldn't have been playing at all. It was pretty obvious early on that he was not ready to play uh, at this level. But Chip just kept throwing him out there and then benched him when the schedule became easy and Garbers could play well. It just didn't make any sense. The whole process with Dante Moore did not make any sense. Chip is an idiot. Every UCLA fan who watches these football games knows he's an idiot. I don't know what Jarmond and the athletic department are doing. Maybe it's the donors not wanting to pony up. UCLA is not going to compete in the Big Ten. It's going to be embarrassing, I think. And uh, hopefully people don't pay for tickets hopefully people stop donating to uh UCLA football maybe donate to men and men of westwood um the nil program so the players actually get some benefit but stop donating to the athletic department they won't pay off uh chip kelly's buyout even with all that big 10 money just settling for one of the worst coaches in the big 10 lost the opportunity to get jonathan smith too he went to michigan state it's from the area probably would have loved the ucla job just another sign of incompetence on behalf of ucla Finally, topic number five, the NBA in-season tournament starts tomorrow, and of major interest to me is Kings-Pelicans. Kings look great when they're on. Darren Fox has been playing like an MVP. I think he's playing like a first or second team all-NBA point guard. Just unstoppable. His speed, uh, combined now with an improved outside shot, it's just impossible to guard. So much fun to watch. Um, I think Keegan Murray finally came back from an injury he'd been out a few games he hasn't been shooting that well but he's been playing great defense they really 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 need him to continue his development um get his shot back on track and be that third star for them uh for the kings to take the next step they need 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 keegan murray to be that third star um i think he can do it uh he just needs to get his legs back under him and he needs to get that shot back in um it'll happen but i think fox keegan and sabonis has been playing really well um yeah he's not the dominant defensive center that most people are looking for but man he's 
he runs the offense basically for the Kings. He rebounds, he passes well. He, I feel like he's been taking the outside shot more and he's making some. Um, so Sabonis has been, he's been good. Um, and then, of course, you got Malik Monk. Malik Monk is the best six man in the NBA. They're going to have to throw the bank at Malik this offseason, which they absolutely have to do. I think he saves the Kings on multiple occasions. He is just such a blur on the court and he makes these crazy finishes you'd never expect um the matchup with the pelicans specifically is tough for the kings they lost two games um to them in november i think zion is just he's obviously difficult for anybody to guard but for the kings especially it gives them so much trouble uh, i'm really intrigued about this matchup uh coming up tomorrow it's at golden one center you know that place is going to be rocking kings fans always show out show up for to support their team and they're loud man so i think it's going to be a lot of fun i think the end season tournament's been a major major hit for the nba uh and i'm hoping the kings win and continue on to las vegas and get that in season tournament title each player gets 500 grand from that i think that's a big motivation um and it's just kind of cool to be that inaugural in season champion um so we'll see how the in season tournament goes uh, you know i'll be watching my eyes will be glued to that television. And I thought something new for today's podcast, YouTube video, um, and going forward will be a restaurant recommendation or a TV show or a book review, something like that. Just something on my mind I've done recently or I've eaten at uh, to provide you all with something kind of fun to watch or eat at or it might be a terrible review for a terrible restaurant or a terrible book, but I thought I'd just add this in as a final segment. So I got to give a big shout out to the restaurant Seven Hills in San Francisco. I actually first heard about this restaurant because uh, of an article about Greg Popovich where he said it was his favorite restaurant in San Francisco. Um, after I read that, I actually went pretty soon after to Seven Hills. And basically it's an Italian restaurant where they make all their pastas homemade um, and they specialize in a ton of different cool filled pastas they always have a lot of vegetarian options which is really key for me and their pastas are just out of this world uh, don't waste your money or time on any of the other dishes just go there get the pastas um, they have this corn agnolati that's amazing their macaroncelli is always on their menu uh, fantastic red sauce with a little spice. So Seven Hills is my restaurant recommendation. It's my highest rated restaurant for Italian food in San Francisco. You got to go there and try it. So uh, with that, I'll be back actually with a special episode uh, that'll come out on uh, Tuesday. We got a guest, one of my buddies, Chuck, who's also a huge 49ers fan. We're going to talk about the 49ers Eagles game um, and just have a uh, fun banter conversation about that game and what the Niners season's been like and where it's going to go from there. So um, if you like this video um, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, please like, subscribe, share. Uh, the content's going to keep coming out, going to keep on improving. Please give me some feedback on how you think the production could improve, the content, how I'm approaching things. Um, any of that, I'm open to feedback. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.